0: So I have to ask, will this make Tyrell a little more appealing to the opposite sex?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Women love having that hair off. We don't like grinding on sandpaper you know.
2: <laughs> how does that feel, Tyrell? Does this change how you feel at all? Not one
3: bit. They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires while listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography they love their Canadian football John Fraser a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon does this mean I have to start researching and Travis Kura a Saskatchewan Roughriders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season bring you the two and out CFL podcast every week Fraser and Kura will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League and nonsense can't forget the nonsense grab some poutine and a double double it's time for the two and out podcast ready set hut.
2: welcome to episode 25 of the two and out cfl podcast it is fraser and cura and fraser ah I, about <laughs> i know you were busy <laughs> you were doing the canadian bowl but yep. uh on saturday with the hilltops congratulations to them um, yes,
0: huge congrats. What a great bunch of kids to see them uh, come up with a national championship. Got to hold the trophy. Got to put my son Max in. It was really just a cool thing to be a part of.
2: I was actually in uh, Banff. I was in Lake Louise and uh, over the weekend when I saw the score, the Hamilton and Ottawa game. <laughs> the joy. Brazilian Ty will live up to his name. On the line right now is Brazilian Ty. How you doing, Woo.
3: buddy? Oh, How's it going, boys? Oh, I'm it's
2: wonderful. Going,
0: it's going pretty great. I feel wonderful because I managed to call the fact that the Ottawa Redblacks win 12 games. And I know you like to rub it in when I'm wrong. And so now I'm going to break character and rub it in the fact that I was right and you were wrong. And now you're going to lose all your hair.
3: Yeah. That's just another one <laughs> of the things that keeps
4: piling on the last couple of weeks, ruining my life.
0: Now, you, you instantly became
2: a Twitter celebrity uh, on Saturday. I mean, the Grey Cup Festival tweeted us back yesterday or tweeted you back. I mean, you are going to be the man in Winnipeg. There is no backing out of this. Uh, the, what was your initial reaction? Like, uh, are you like, I can't believe I made this bet in June? Uh,
3: no, I don't think my, my initial reaction was, son of a bitch.
2: <laughs> All right, Ty. So you were on the program a few weeks ago, and we had talked about uh, possibly it, it being tough to find a salon that would do it for guys. Well, Ty, I have somebody that you need to meet. Hello, this is Nikki. Now, we have uh, Tyrell on the line with you right now. Uh, he is going to be getting the wax done with you.
1: <laughs> Hi, Tyrell. Hi, hey.
3: Are you nervous? I don't think nervous is the word. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh,
1: what's the word?
3: Frightened. Oh, no, don't be. Okay. Mom tried to talk me out of it, and Dad
0: said I couldn't back out. (laughs) Are you at least going to be gentle to our, uh, our, our little Tyrell?
1: Oh, yes will be in the best hands that there is.
2: Okay, Nikki, when I sent you the text message this morning, I gave you the full rundown, the bet, and everything, and it's you, you didn't think I was serious, did you?
1: No, at first I didn't. I get a few cranks now and again, so you never know.
2: <laughs> well, we are completely serious. Uh, you work as Aesthetics for Men in Winnipeg, right?
1: Yes, I do.
2: Now, uh, what package do you recommend that we get for Mr. Tyrell here?
1: Well, if you lost the bet, I'd say you better get the whole package.
2: Now, what does, that, en- what does that entail?
1: Okay, let me Don't just shy. get my little uh, paper <laughs> out here. Okay, so Deluxe Manzillin includes the front, the shop, the scrotum, the perineum, the bikini area, which is the third leg. The backpack, and the feet.
4: Oh, yeah.
1: So it's the whole nine yards. <laughs>
2: Well, thanks for taking the time to come on. Are you? Do you have any appointments open November twenty sixth?
1: November twenty sixth.
2: It's, a, it's Thursday. a Thursday.
1: It's a Thursday. I'm in on Thursdays. Yeah, you betcha.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now I guess I just have to confirm what time my uh, flights leave, and then uh, or what time I'll get to Winnipeg, and then we can book Tyrell in for that day
1: that sounds fine. I'm open until 8 o'clock on Thursday.
2: So. Okay. Oh, great. We will, yeah. We'll have time to yeah, get... I'm
1: open 1 to 8.
2: so We'll have time to get Tyrell in then. I, I saw on the website that you use kind of a different uh, method. Is there sugar involved?
1: It's sugaring, yes. The product that I use is body sugar, which is much gentler than wax.
2: Oh, so that's so. good news. There's it's there's very
1: no good time. news for Tyrell. Oh, yes. yes. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, typically with the, the traditional sugaring method, it takes much longer because what they're doing is they're taking a, a piece of goo, which is like, you know, a big sticky ball of, of sugar, and right. they're dragging it through the hair, going against <laughs> the grain of the hair several times before they oh, take it off. God. It only takes off a very small piece of hair at a time, um, okay. and I found in my business... You guys just can't stand that sort of thing that um, I had to find a different technique that was actually going to, you know, be a lot quicker and a lot more comfortable. So I came up with this sort of different, excuse me, different technique and uh, it sort of encompasses both the uh, the wax technique and the sugar product. Um, I can't tell you too much more because I don't want to give away any of my trade secrets. Okay. But um, <laughs> it definitely goes a hell of a lot faster. So the top portion... Uh, above everything is where it's most uncomfortable, and that's where it takes the longest and where the hair is the densest. Okay. If that's the word, the most dense. Um, so that, that piece takes about 30 seconds the way I do it, as opposed to 20 minutes. So, you know, do the math. It's much so, so, more comfortable, much
0: faster. So I have to ask will this make Tyrell a little more appealing to the opposite sex?
1: absolutely women love having that hair off we don't like grinding on sandpaper oh. you know
2: <laughs> how does that feel tyrell does this change how you feel at all not
3: one bit
1: oh come on you're going to be so popular with the ladies yes oh, cool.
3: yeah. you
1: will be you'll you'll be the love god man
3: <laughs> the love god tyrell
0: the love god That gonna be your new name <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Nikki. So it looks like we arrive in Winnipeg eleven thirty-two in the morning on November 26th, So we'll have lots of time to get him in. We'll we'll have to figure out a uh, solid time and then uh, message you that. Would it be okay if uh, Tyrell was sending <laughs> Snapchats and stuff as he's getting it done?
1: Sure, I don't care. Yeah, videotape the whole thing if you like. I don't care.
2: All right, come yeah. okay, like in with
1: me absolutely yeah there's enough room in that room for about three or four people just as long as you don't get in my way or you'll get sugar stuck in your hair and
2: oh no whatever i have a big (laughs) grizzly adam's beard so i gotta stay away from that
1: okay yeah you want to just sort of you know be a little bit further away because that stuff goes flying all around the room and you will get get it in your hair and in your beard and on your clothes and whatever (laughs)
2: All right, Nikki, thank you so much for taking the time. I'll text you with a a solid time, and we'll see you on the 26th, okay?
1: All right, sounds
3: good. Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out podcast. All right,
2: before, <laughs> Oh, I still can't believe uh, we just booked Brazilian Tyler in for his Manzilian. Uh... That, that,
0: that's amazing, and uh, the fact you know what? You got to give him kudos. He hasn't pulled out. It'll be all over the new Two and Out Snapchat. We, uh, you guys, will be in the room. I again, I I won't be there, but <laughs> I really I really want to experience it remotely.
2: Yeah, this, this is going to be great. Maybe we should uh, Periscope it so everybody can get the live account of uh, what's
0: going on. Periscope would be a great way to do. If you Periscoped it, that would make me really happy if I could watch it on Periscope.
2: <laughs> <laughs> of course, today is uh, Remembrance Day, uh, not as, you know, fun. Uh, Funny it definitely isn 't, but uh, the fact that we get to sit here, have this podcast, and have fun is uh, we, we can recognize that on remembrance day that 's when we are uh, recording it There was a really cool piece written by Tim Baines uh, from the Ottawa sun Ronnie Pfeffer the uh, the punter for the yeah. Red blacks, his grandfather. Was in uh, the Korean War, so mm-hmm. it, it's a really cool piece. We did uh, retweet it with the two and out account. If you do want to check that out, hopefully you got out to a service. Uh, I know I did in Red Deer, and uh, I definitely will again next year. So hopefully you got to take uh, part in that and another series. Uh, I, I
0: had to do. I had to do a TV thing. I had every intention of okay. going out today, and then. Uh, and then Max decided that he was going to spit up all over the dress shirt I had on, and then I said, okay. And I changed shirts and uh, watched it on uh, the national uh, CBC or CTV. I don't quite remember whom I was watching it on, but uh, that's what I tell you. That's what you have to do when your son is less than three weeks old, I guess. Nobody
2: can blame you for that,
0: my friend. No, no. And Nobody. like you said, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Ronnie Peffers, uh, his grandfather, my great-grandfather, uh, fought in World War II. Uh, he was a tank gunner, which is... You know, he wow. actually took down the Nazis by shooting a tank at them. So that's wow. that's pretty cool. Uh,
2: yeah, I was I went to the service here in Red Deer. They did it outdoors, and uh, one of the fellows that was uh, emceeing the event, he had kind of talked about how Rem- Remembrance Day had changed, and he was in his nineties. So he had said that the the first uh, one that he remembers was in the late 1920s, and yep. at that time, uh, World War One was the war to end all wars. So everybody yeah. went, and and then World War Two happened, and yeah. Remembrance Day was completely different because people got kind of bitter about it. Like, World War I was supposed to be the end of it all, but after 1945, yeah. 500,000 Canadians have uh, served so Remembrance Day becomes about all of them now not just the veterans from one and two
0: and I should mention too a uh, fun fact about Saskatoon actually we have the largest indoor Remembrance Day service in all of Canada uh, it's at the SaskTel Center the home of the Saskatchewan Rush
2: yes of course and you are you're the voice of
0: the rush Yes, I've been hired by the uh, National Lacrosse League uh, to actually do the online stream of, uh, of the games. You can check it out, nll.com. Uh, I know at least some of the games are up on TSN Go as well, or you can go to Sascrush.com. And needless to say, I'm beyond excited to be finally, you know, dipping my toes in the world of professional sports. And it's been a lifelong dream come true. I've been a lacrosse fan my entire life. I remember watching the Rock games when I was very young. You know, they all used to be on TV and thinking, man, that, that I'd love to be a part. of. Of that, and now I get to be, thanks to the National Lacrosse League, they uh, selected me over a bunch of other candidates to uh, to provide, yeah, the uh, the play-by-play for the league, uh, and I, I, again, it's going to be on TSN Go, I mean, it's almost like Derek Taylor and I are kind of co-workers, right?
2: Yeah, kind of, <laughs> not, and he's on our podcast all. today, and that's, that's he right. Sh- he should get a Nobel Peace Prize for some of the stats
0: he does, man. Unbelievable, right? Is there a prize for, like... like I know there's the CFL Twitter Awards. I mean, how that guy's not getting more love for uh, for favorite account, he he should be. And we'll talk about some of those fancy stats. He's constantly tweeting out here a little bit later.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We nominated him uh, for the CFL Twitter Awards. You can do that with us as well. Before we get to Derek, couple more uh, housekeeping notes. Movember is on right now. I am raising money. Uh, man, I am doing... Quite Well, uh, I know we, we've we become the view where we talk about our personal lives, but yep. I've really instead of making a New Year's resolution, I'm like, let's make a Movember resolution. And I have worked out five days a week for the past two weeks. Uh, in seven days, I am down two pounds. Good for and- you, man. Good for
0: you. Well, how are you? How are you doing this again for every dollar that somebody donates to you? You are doing that that many minutes in exercise? Yes. So
2: right now, I've raised $1,155. Uh, wow.
4: Wow. So
2: I'm at about 277 minutes of exercise. You so still got a long way to go, big guy. I do, man. By the time I'm done this, I won't be a big guy. So,
0: <laughs> Well, does that mean we have to change all the imaging about an overweight Canadian podcaster?
2: Maybe. Maybe not by next season, but definitely season three
0: how about you know just stay like just just stay like ten pounds overweight so we don't have to change anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's way too much work. So if you do want to throw a couple bucks my my way, mobro. co slash travis Curra. Trivia time, John Fraser. Uh, All right, okay. I, I did write about this on CFLpass.ca. ca. Uh, this year there were okay. fifteen thousand yard players. Last year there was only four. Uh, so there were a lot of players
3: that got, I, I,
0: guess, f- I guess the new passing rules and we'll get into that at a different time, but I guess, uh, I, I guess the new passing rules, uh, <coughs> did kind of work in a way. Oh yeah. Yeah. There were
2: three rushers over a thousand, 12 receivers over a thousand, but the big thing was the red blacks had 4,000 yard receivers. Now I didn't mention this on CFL pass, but two teams have done it in the past. They okay. were both Montreal Alouettes. Uh, They did it in 2004 and 2005. Can you name the one receiver that was on both teams? I think this is an easy one.
0: Was it uh, Jamel Richardson?
2: No, that was before his time. Ben Cahoon. Yes, Ben Cahoon. Uh, The other receivers, this is a blast from the past, man. Uh, In 2004, it was Jermaine copeland Ben Cahoon. I was, I was
0: good at say Jermaine Copeland.
2: Yeah, yeah, Thyron Anderson and Kwame Cavill. <laughs> Kwame Wow. And then in 2005, it was Kerry Watkins, Ben Cahoon, Terry Vaughn, and Dave Stalla. What a receiving core the Alouettes had then.
0: Wow, I would say that's uh, that's a, that's impressive. Yeah.
2: So what the Red Blacks
0: did was awesome.
2: Just a side note: both of those Montreal teams did not win the Grey Cup.
0: Oh, so are you predicting bad things for the uh, for the Ottawa Red Blacks? I am. Interesting. I guess we had four games.
2: Only one of them really meant something. Um, let's face it: the last game of the week, Montreal uh, lost to Saskatchewan, thirty to twenty-four in overtime. Brett Smith looked like he actually learned a thing or two uh, from his time as starting quarterback in
0: Saskatchewan. Yeah, three touchdowns. He uh, he looked really good, but again, that's a guy that knows he's going to be fighting for his job with uh, Keith Price uh, next year. Uh, like you said, it was just kind of like, uh, yeah. and again, maybe it was because I was in the middle of calling the Hilltops winning their 18th Canadian Bowl on Saturday. But this week at the CFL just kind of seemed like, eh, but you're right. Brett Smith was outstanding. Ryder fans, there is some hope there. That to be most entertaining game of the week. And, of course, Henry Burris throwing six touchdown passes to lead Ottawa to 12 wins and, of course, to Brazilian tie for his waxing.
2: And of course the name of the game was either staying healthy or helping your guys achieve some milestones. Uh Calgary stayed yep. healthy and they got Messam over a thousand yards on the season. They beat B C twenty eight to seven. Travis Lule, He didn't light up the scoreboard, but his his arm looked a lot stronger in uh, that game. Uh, we had Friday Night Football. The Argos beat the Bombers 21-11. And if your fantasy league went into this week, we did say last week to stack up on Red Blacks and Tiger Cats. I know uh, Ganderlake was tweeting us, man, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. Well, if you had Burris... He got you six touchdowns. Yeah, if you had Burris, you
0: probably did okay. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> he was uh, incredible. So that game was an all-out war. Uh, I hope Hamilton beats Toronto just because those teams play again and the the, uh, the the teams are on the same sideline. I don't know why they do that with a new stadium, but they do. And one more thing uh, before we get to uh, Derek Taylor from Sports Center. Um, we uh, have this great event happening in uh, Winnipeg. Just quickly, the CFL Fans Fight Cancer event, Saturday, November 28th. I know uh, Brian Warwish uh, from the BC Lions Den threw the information uh, our way. It's in support of the Never Alone Foundation, Garbanzo's Pizza Pub.
0: It looks I love like, Garbanzo's. I can't, I can't stress that enough how much I love Garbanzo's. It's you awesome. Go. It's awesome. Oh, it's the, pizza's, the pizza's awesome. I, I was there with the Hilltops. Uh, I, I took in some Garbanzo's pizza, took back, me back a little bit to my days of uh, spending a significant amount of time in Winnipeg with the family. So needless to say, you know what? You're going to thoroughly enjoy yourself. At You know what? Even if, you, even if you're a person that hates you know, doing good things for charity and hates football and hates everything in the world, um, just go for the pizza. It's really good.
2: Yeah, Wal- Chris Walby is going to be the uh, oh, MC awesome. for the night. So uh, there's going to be, you know, uh, alumni there, fifty-fifty, all kinds of cool stuff. And we do have Derek Taylor here to wrap up. Uh, basically, we're going to talk some stats uh, for the CFL regular season. So let's get him on and let's uh, close the season and enter. The playoffs.
0: We're joined uh, by another two-time guest here on the podcast, Derek Taylor of TSN Sports Center. And uh, Derek, you're also a Manitoba guy. You spent some time there. Bison's play-by-play. I just got to go off the hop. Can we do an air high five? That Marcel Bale- Belfay is no longer the offensive coordinator in Winnipeg.
4: It it didn't work well, did it? He was. No. They thought, oh, this is going to be great, and it just. You know what? I, I have a lot of time, to- a lot of problems pinning a lot of blame on a guy when your quarterback just gets hurt twice. Like, what what do you do without Drew Willy? Because everybody else behind him was below average to terrible. So what can you really do with that?
0: No, for sure. And one thing you tweeted out, and again, if for anybody who's a CFL fan, you gotta follow at DT on SC. You just throw out the best CFL stats I've ever seen in my life. One thing that fascinated me is Winnipeg's offense was historically bad this year, but they had their receivers drop the fewest balls. I just I found that a little fascinating, honestly.
4: You never know what to expect, right? And it's it's not like they are uh, Montreal or Ottawa in just these little short dump passes. That are way less likely to be dropped. They they try to move the ball, but yeah, they they've had a, l- a lot of success with uh, guys just not dropping the ball. Whether that's whether that's luck, we'll see from year to year or or what it is. But Phil Godino and Veltong and uh, and these guys just aren't didn't drop anything. I think they had yeah. 22 on the season, so that's a remarkably low number.
2: Because Bowman had 21 drops himself, didn't he for Edmonton?
4: Uh, I believe you're talking about West All-Star, Darius Bowman. <laughs> yes. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bombers had 25. Bowman himself had 21. Uh, what, yeah. Darius Bowman, everybody.
0: When you're doing some of these advanced stats, uh, you know, and there's just so much of them, and I just I love reading through all of them on your Twitter feed. What's the one thing? I mean, you, you kind of said it without saying it there that West All-Star, Darius Bowman, 25 drops. What's one thing that you looked at a guy and went. Either woe positively or woe negatively when you put all in all the numbers
4: well uh, Bowman for me is is the easy one because he he leads by far he has as many uh, almost as many drops as the next two guys combined, which is a remarkable number, but I also have kind of a, a category and it 's in no way official, but just I just call them miracle catches, catches that should not have been made reasonably, mm. and he also leads the league in those so what do you make of that? Three times he saved Mike Riley from, from an incompletion by making some ridiculous grab, and then he has 93 catches for 1,300 yards. But 21 times, it hits him right in the midst and goes down. So it really gave me uh, an appreciation and a, and a little... Uh, I look at him a little, a little differently. i like, really, you yep. should probably uh, get more of those. Uh, it made me look different at uh, a couple of quarterbacks, uh, Bo by Mitchell and Travis Lule. Mm-hmm. I always thought... I always thought, oh, Travis Lule, like he's one or two in the quarterbacks I would pick. And now, just having watched it for a full year and and running some of the numbers, he's probably, it's a new offense, and they really, like they threw the ball further down the field than any team in the league. Yeah. But Lule is not as accurate as I thought, and Bo by mitchell is not as accurate as I thought. And Bo has the great advantage of, they still never allow pressure on him at all. I think it was the second lowest rate in the league that they allowed pressure on Mitchell. And I just, I thought he'd be better. That said, it gave me a lot of love for Zach Kalaros. And when he went down, I just, I kind of cried inside because that guy's the most, that guy's the (laughs) best player in the league.
0: Oh, by, by far. Uh, one thing we did find that although it's been a dark and miserable season for Saskatchewan, we did find one thing that they're actually the best of. And I should also preface this by saying there were some people uh, on Twitter online criticizing the fact that Brandon Labatt was a West Division All-Star. But you came out with the adjusted line yards, and this only considers, of course, the running back carries. But Saskatchewan led the league, it led the league in yards per carry. So, I mean, some love for the O-line there.
4: Well, absolutely, and, and uh, adjusted line yards. It's a stat that I I, I took this directly from Football Outsiders. I thought it was really neat because you look at it and go, well, what's the running back's? For, how much credit does the running back get? How much credit does the offensive line? It's yeah. got to be the toughest to to analyze with numbers. And they had a they have a stat called adjusted line yards where you get credit for carries of one to four yards. The line gets less credit if it's six to ten yards. They get no credit if the run is 11 yards or longer because, assume that's all the running back, yeah. and they get extra blame if it's a stop behind the line of scrimmage. And I thought, oh, that seems like a great stat. I wonder, I wonder how it plays out. And Saskatchewan is was the leader by a good margin over Montreal. Like they really can move it. And you know, they. So it just kind of you go. Well, they had two great running backs, right? They had Jerome Messon for much of the year and Anthony Allen. And mm-hmm. then you think, well, those. Yes, they all work together, don't they? Okay. Yeah, the blocking blocking all works as one piece. It's not just five guys; it's seven. It's receivers. It's the other running back. Uh, Saskatchewan at least has something going for them.
2: Have you seen a team <laughs> on paper where their offense should be good and carrying them the wins do
4: that badly? Well, here's the, here's the thing, and this is another stat since I tracked it all season. I uh, I found. Seventy percent. It was exactly. It was sixty-nine percent of the plays called in the CFL this year were pass plays, right? So if you, you can have the best running game, but that's not even a third of your. That's not even right. a third of your offensive plays. So it only matters so much if you had the best passing game in the league, and then you were the worst team in the league. That would probably surprise me because that's seventy yeah. percent of the time, and that would be that would probably require a lot of garbage yards down forty points yeah. in the fourth <laughs> quarter, just huck and pray, right?
0: Or Saskatchewan Yards, as we've called them kind of this year. Or Winnipeg Yards, as you could also call them.
4: And Saskatchewan, I, I, I always hate the – we probably talked about this last time. I hate the premise that the quarterback is everything. Yep. But w- w- if you're Saskatchewan, what are you supposed to do? You yep. lose your number one quarterback. You're perfectly prepared to lose your number one quarterback. And then you lose your number two <laughs> quarterback, who's probably going to the Hall of Fame. Well, yep. now now what do you do? You end up at number four, Brett Smith, who showed some – progress throughout the year, but how, how can any team overcome that? And as you yeah. saw this year, n- no team could overcome that.
0: I, I'm just really hoping that at some point, Kevin Glenn gets traded to, es- to the Edmonton Eskimo so we can all finish off the Kevin Glenn punch card so he's been on a property of all nine teams.
4: Yeah, that would be amazing.
0: <laughs> and then and then he'd go into the hall wearing one of those you know generic <laughs> CFL jerseys. You see the generic fan wear at the Grey Cup? Yes. Oh with, the,
2: with the white leather <laughs> <That's>... sleeves? <laughs>
4: <laughs> to me that'll be a, a very interesting conversation at the time when kevin glenn will be up for the hall of fame because he certainly got the numbers to do it he's been the starter a lot but have you ever looked at kevin glenn and said that guy is the best quarterback in the league in
0: 2007 that's about it
4: well the year kind of that's the, year the, he, that's he the, he the ryan dinwiddie play. year right
0: yeah that's the ryan dinwiddie year yeah that was a that was a great year for the gray cup
4: yeah, Glenn broke his arm in the uh, in the, what the West final, and then uh, Ryan didn't. He had to lead them in the Grey Cup, and they lost to what team did they lose to? I can't remember.
0: Yeah, they, they <laughs> lost to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> <laughs> Th- thanks, Derek. I'm not
4: reminded of this every day. <laughs> just, just had to throw that out there. But I, I thanks, buddy. <laughs> even at, even in '07, I'm. I'd have to go back and see who was in the in the league in '07, but I mean Anthony Calvillo was in the league in '07. I'm not sure. If he... <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, you're right. And there was probably no quarterback I'd have taken in, in, a, in Calvillo's prime over him. But you could look back at most of his years and go, was he really in the top two quarterbacks in, a, in an 18 team league? And most of the years, I would say no. Yeah. But his numbers are so great, and he's been well, he's been consistently putting up numbers, whether they've been. Those fourth-quarter interceptions where he would throw the ball to Eddie Davis in his Bombers tenure would be just super, (laughs) super frustrating as as a Bombers watcher.
0: I remember, I remember watching uh, a lot of those games. We always used to say there's good Kevin, bad Kevin. There was also this year in Winnipeg, good Lerum and very bad Lirum. Uh You also put out a stat, 2015 CFL kickers by points above average. More fancy stats. For th- I love being a fancy stats, guys. No surprise, Justin Medlock uh, leads the league in this. Lerum Haralahu is, is, is last. How does this, um, can you just maybe simplify this for me and Trav as, uh, you know, we're not exactly smart guys.
4: Okay, so what I have is every field goal kicked uh, now from 2008 through 2015. Uh, So I I can tell you that that kickers have made every field goal under 13 yards for for all eight of those years. So you take every field goal made in that time and you kind of use that to create an average. So you look at Mm -hmm. uh, you're lining up for a 30 yard field goal. Okay, well, that's Mm -hmm. made 93% of the time by by a CFL quality kicker or at least one who's employed by a CFL team. <laughs> so then you, trans- you take that and you go, okay, well, 93% of the time you get three points. That's going to be worth an attempt from 30 yards to your team is worth 2.8 points. Yeah. This, is all- this all comes from a-, a gambling-based concept of expected value. So yep. it's- that kick itself is worth 2.8 points. If you make it, you get three points. You've done a little better than the expectation. Mm. If you miss it you've done way worse than the expectation because you've got zero or one when you should have had 2.8. So now, you have all that. You take that for a season, you run a guy's 47 kicks through it for the year, and you see how he did versus how the average kicker over the last eight yards did. And Justin Medlock was, for the season, just having Justin Medlock kick the field goals that they chose to kick, he had almost 13 points more than the average kicker would have had in his place. So that is... That's a tremendous number. That is a fantastic number uh, on a raw basis and on a per-kick basis. It's the fifth-best one I've seen in the last eight years. So he had a great year.
0: Uh, one thing that we've watched, too, is the Ottawa Red Blacks have had a great year after, of course, the two-win season. Everybody re- remembers. But looking into some of your fancy stats, you know, that's what, I'm just going to call them that. <laughs> The Red Blacks at 43 drops, the most of the CFL and nothing that that I see from them really jumps out to me on a a fancy stats perspective or an advanced stats, whatever the hell you want to call it. Derek, do you think that maybe their 12 win season, although feel good and great and they're totally my bandwagon team this year? Do you feel that maybe it's a it's a bit of luck that came into it as the fancy stats maybe take him down a hair?
4: If I said, th- well, there's, there's always luck. There's Zach Kolaros luck, right? If Zach yeah. Kolaros is, is healthy, uh, Hamilton finishes 14-4 and four and runs away with the East. Yeah, That's, that would just be the way. I was, I was fascinated with Ottawa's complete inability to run the ball. Yeah. And, and they, they were just terrible at running the ball with Siobhan Walker. They were, as much as Jeremiah Johnson got touchdowns, he was not great at running the ball either. Uh, when William Powell, who they brought in, has improved dramatically in, the, in their running game in the last couple of weeks. But I was surprised how little it mattered to Ottawa that they couldn't run the ball. And to me, that's one, that's Henry Burris. And two, that's a, an offense that's designed to throw the ball shorter than virtually any team in the league. Get it out to your receivers. Make sure there's no pressure on Henry. It takes pressure off the offensive line; they don't have to hold up for more than a second and a half, at most, because Henry's whipping a, a out to Price or a little little hook pattern into uh, 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 Ernest Jackson. Yeah, it's I was that to me was was fascinating. So I don't think there's anything about it that's smoke and mirrors, but I think mm-hmm. when Henry is done ten years from now, uh, you might have a problem replicating that with another quarterback because Henry Henry was is special to me in the way that he gets gets rid of the ball and gets rid of the ball smartly.
2: Is he without a doubt your MOP this year?
4: Here's my thing, and tell me what you guys think. Okay. Uh, I really Zach Kalaros for me was so much better than everybody else. I would mm-hmm. Part of me would want to vote for Zach Kalaros, but I don't know. Uh, I would have voted Zach Kalaros to be the East All-Star because I would have wanted him to win one of the award. Uh, I just think he was so great for that Hamilton team. I don't, I, I want, I would want to do it so bad, but <laughs> you do it to a guy who, who missed, you know, a third of the season. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's almost, almost by default to me that, that Henry's the MOP. And I don't, I don't love all his numbers. And I see how they, where they came from. When you throw the ball 700 times, you're going to put up numbers, but, I don't have a quality alternative right now to Henry Burris as the most outstanding player, but I want it to be Zach. So damn bad.
0: See, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, Derek, Zach Caleros to me was really has value to the, like you said, best player in the league, funnest guy to watch for the longest time. And, Hamilton's finish. Let's face it, Hamilton's finish. They were in cruise control for the East first seed, for making sure they would have a bye week in the postseason. He goes down. Next thing you know, they're down at the dumps. And to me, I'm not even picking them this weekend. To me, the Toronto Argonauts, led by Ricky Ray, gets them. You know, I don't think. I think Toronto with Ricky Ray there, and I actually said it on this podcast, and I've been saying it for a couple weeks. They're going to regret not making a move. And again, we we all know Kevin Glenn isn't uh, isn't the best. Quarterback alive, but I think that they're going to make a mistake by going with the young guys, and I think they're actually going to lose the East semifinal to Toronto this weekend, and that just proves uh, Calaresis' value. You're right; it's been it's kind of been a weird season so far in the league for you know most outstanding player. Um, Burris almost wins it by default. Bo Levi Mitchell. I mean, he's got uh, 1,200 more yards than Bo Levi again. That's because Bo Levi did miss a little bit of time, but to me, it's been an odd year that there's no. You know, there's Eric Rogers has had a nice year in Calgary, but to me, you can't you can't make him the mop. In my humble opinion, you know, no real outstanding rusher. John Bowman's had a nice year defensively, and I'm sure he'll get some stuff for defensive. But you're right; it almost becomes a Burris by default situation. Rogers, I think, could get some consideration. I actually think Rogers is going to come out of the the West ahead of Boldy, but he Mitchell. didn't even get the Calgary
2: oh,
4: vote. Right? That, that and that to me, I could not explain that the guy put right. The- 1450 in 17 games. Incredible. Like he sat. He didn't even play the final game. Eric, come on, that guy yeah. was Eric Rogers was amazing. He was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's it's for me. It was close with another guy who who was uh, just right behind him. But Rogers was outstanding. I would. I have one hypothetical for you guys. I'm I'm okay. mixed about Eric Rogers, but I have a hypothetical. What if Darrell Walker had played 18 games for Edmonton?
2: Do you have the numbers that he was on pace for if he played a full 18?
4: Uh, I can do them kind of in my. So he played 12 games and had 1,110 yards. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah. (laughs) Wow. That is just, that is beyond ridiculous. So take that for 18. So that's 1,700 yards for the season.
3: Uh,
4: You add a third. So 120 catches for 1,700 yards and nine touchdowns, let's say.
0: Yeah, I, I think he would have been the guy had he played. And there's there's another guy. Does that does he? I, I again, it's been a busy week for me. Did he come out of Edmonton as the as No, the it was candidate? Um, Mike Riley. Mike, see there's another one like what's what is it with all these teams going essentially quarterback by by default I mean I would have if I was in the Edmonton media I would have voted for Darrell Walker for sure just like I would have voted for Eric Rodgers in Calgary and that goes back to another interesting article I forget who penned it and I always like giving proper credit and I can't can't think of it off the top of my head the voting system's a little broken to the CFL that you have to pick one guy from each team and guys like Rogers, Walker getting snubbed.
4: Well, uh, Dwayne Ford was talking about that on the. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was the Montreal Saskatchewan game that yeah. this thing where it's one player per team and then one in each division. There's some there's some categories where the East doesn't have a real guy or the West doesn't have a real guy. Like Mike Riley with under 2,500 yards passing. Yeah, how the hell does he get the nod? I well, and he probably I'd have to check exactly how many games he played, but it probably wasn't many more than Darrell Walker played.
2: No, Walker no.
4: like. When you watch Walker and Rogers, you look at those guys and go, you two should not be in the CFL. You should yeah. be in the NFL. Yes. And they are like he Walker changed the way that Edmonton defense runs. He turned Kenny Stafford from a from a more of a more possession-ish receiver to solely a deep threat on that field side because we got uh, we got Darrell here. He's got this lockdown
2: it was yeah. all so interesting. Like I probably would have voted Caleros if he would have got hurt in, say week eighteen or something. But what do you make about the whole uh, Jerome Messam thing? The guy doesn't get a nod at all because Perfect of that example. voting system.
4: Perfect example of a guy who. How is he not top Canadian or in yeah. a contention for top Canadian? That's yep. and that's that was one of that was one of Dwayne Ford's bugaboos. Like. Uh, Saskatchewan could name him top Canadian. I, what they voted Knox? I, who did they? Vote? I think they bag Rob Bagg. Uh, Bag. It Rob was Bagg, Rob Bagg, bag Rob. Pardon yeah. me. Not Jeff Knox. Three other awards on that team, but yeah, that that Rob Bag. I and if they if they thought they had to nominate a guy who's on their team, but uh, I don't remember much from Rob Bag this season.
0: Rob Bag, Rob Bag has fewer receiving yards than Clarence Denmark, a guy that we've all been talking about on the pod this year as being a little bit of a disappointment. Elliott has more. Jeff Fuller has more. Mo Price had more receiving yards
4: than Rob Bag. Mo Price and his hitches on the, on the far side of the field, right?
0: Yeah, and he still gets more than – I mean, again, it was just a horrendously awful season in Saskatchewan, which, again, I always uh, – it, it makes me laugh a little bit. And I shouldn't say laugh. I mean, what Jeff Knox Jr. did was pretty good. But realistically, he was on the field a lot, and he was uh, one of the few shining stars in what really was a historically – I can't remember seeing defense that bad in my entire time watching the CFL.
4: It's it, it's pretty outstanding. I As the season went along – I was able to put some, put some defensive stats together just with how teams uh, attack you. And it, uh, Saskatchewan allowed seven, their, their teammate their opponents, pardon me, to complete 71% of their passes.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: wow. Unbelievable number. Hamilton led the way at 61. 71% of their passes. And then, oh, by the way, while you're doing that, we also allowed the most yards per attempt and the most yards after the catch. So wow. they couldn't stop anybody and then they couldn't tackle them when they couldn't stop them. It's it was just it was a rebuilding year, let's say, in Saskatchewan. They they hope for an Ottawa Red Blacks rebuild next season.
0: Yeah, which is really, that was really such an amazing turnaround. Which one of the three franchises do you think, Derek, and we've asked a couple people this, uh, which one of the three franchises that missed the postseason this year has the best chance of not only making the playoffs next year, but actually being a decent football team in years to come?
4: So I have to pick, okay? Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, <laughs> Montreal. I have to. Okay, let's, let's say
0: three-year window, which one of them is going to be the best?
4: Oh, uh, for me, if Kevin if Kevin Glenn's in Montreal, it's Montreal, absolutely. Yes. Montreal's got Montreal's got uh, a decent receiving core. They've got good running backs. They've got a nice the offensive line. They have a they have a good defense. Yeah, and if Kevin Glenn can come in there and open it up a little bit, as opposed to the Raheem Cato, Jonathan Crompton tire fire. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> Montreal out of those teams.
0: Now. It- you're you're bang on on that on that assessment but you you talk about Kevin Glenn and quarterbacks in Montreal quickly reminded me of when I was watching on the tube the other night you had a little bit of a rant about Canadian quarterbacks I can tell you (laughs) an unnamed ex-CFL coach who I happened to speak to in my time covering some CIS balls said that Andrew Buckley in Calgary would start for the Montreal Alouettes right now do you hope that he actually gets that opportunity and the CFL stops basically pooping on Canadian quarterbacks?
4: Just to be fair, two out of the three of us would probably start for the Montreal Alouettes right now. Come on. Who, who that's, wouldn't? That's
0: fair. Who's hey, the one I, that was wouldn't? Se- I was 7-1 I was in the Lloydminster Flag Football League as a starting quarterback.
4: Boom, there you go. I'll play exactly. center. <laughs> uh, Andrew Buckley. Now, I saw Buckley for... Well, all, I mean, before this year, all of his career in Calgary. And I, w- I was never that much in love with him, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious what I'm missing in that. But the, uh, Buckley, the, the CFL, it, 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 it made me angry that day. So you know, yeah. I kind of went to my producer and said, uh, I know uh, we love the CFL. I, lo- I personally love the CFL. TSN loves the CFL. We yeah. love the CFL. Not, you don't have to love everything that, that your brother does. You know how to love everything your family does. And that their their roster rules specifically say quarterbacks don't count toward the ratio. Well, immediately, what's the result of that going to be? Okay, now we can pick the three or four best players regardless of nationality. And it happens that those are probably going to be American just from a straight-up population basis, if nothing else. So when, when I've seen the quarterbacks come through that you think, you, you are amazing at the CIS level, and there is zero chance. Uh, before I got to the Bison, Shane Munson was a world beater. He was yep. one of the best athletes I ever saw. He eventually just gave up football. But he was amazing, and I thought this guy should get, and he, there was no chance he would be preparing to be a safety if he, if yep. he was going to play in the CFL, because Chris Hardy before him became a safety. And then you watch Eric Glavich, if, if yep. he had two good knees, he probably wasn't going to get a shot. He won heck yep. right with two different schools, wouldn't get a shot. I can go all the way back to Chris Flynn in the uh, 80s and 90s in yep. that he got some burn with Montreal in the mid-90s, but very little. And there's no there's no incentive to pick a Canadian at quarterback like there is at every other position, and that just drives me nuts. Jordan Yance was the topper for me, the kid from Manitoba. I couldn't believe Bombers he got camp. cut. He-,
0: he was amazing. He was incredible in university.
4: Oh, in the first, honest, and this is, this is a true story, and I wish it was an exaggeration, but it's not. First time I walked in the field, I, was, I talked to Brian Dobie, and he said, yep. this kid we get out of BC is, is fantastic. You're going to be amazed. I saw him throw, the first pass I ever saw from him was a 20-yard out right to the sideline, and I thought, this, that's a CFL throw. That is, wow. It was right on the mark, hands, foot, foot, out of bounds. I'm like, that is, that's a CFL throw you do not see at the CIS level. And yep. then he watched him. He could run the ball, and he could escape pressure. And it seemed like he was—I I have no qualitative assessment for a guy's smarts, but everything about him seemed like he had the the intelligence to pick up offenses and to at least get a sniff in the CFL. And then that second exhibition game comes along. Okay, fourth quarter, it's it's going to be Jordan Yance time. Uh, no reps for you. You're cut.
0: Yeah, that was that was uh, uh, unbelievable. And and, it, and to. And I know you haven't seen him a lot, but I can tell you Andrew Buckley, Derek, has been in Canada West, which to me, you've seen it. To me, it is the far superior university conference to either the OUA or the or the Quebec league as well, because top to bottom, you've usually got six good teams. I know it was a bit of a wash this year with Regina, but let me throw some numbers at you for Buckley. Three ninety-five per game. 19 touchdowns to one interception. The biggest thing he's become is is he can run, he just moves the pocket well, and like you said, that 20-yard CFL out, out throw, he makes that with ease against some of the best defenses in, in Canada. He's been a treat to watch. I know he's been a thorn in the side of every uh, CISC man. I, you know what? I really hope I, it, like now that the Saskatchewan Huskies, the team I cover, are out, I really hope that they make it the Vanya Cup so they can get some national exposure and people can start talking about Andrew Buckley because he should be the next guy to get the shot, and if he doesn't, to, you're right, it's just... Uh, you're right, I don't see the harm, and why not say... I mean, how much would teams love to bring along a Canadian kid and develop him? Maybe if he dresses as the third-string quarterback, who gives a damn every week?
4: Well, and, and you'd have to be far enough up the depth chart that you might actually get some experience or some yeah. repetition. Or, you know, you'd have to have a year like this year where everybody's hurt, and Montreal's on its seventh quarterback. So, there, <laughs> there's always time for it. But, look at... I mean, you just... The, it seems like the requisite is, is arm strength. When you look at all the second and third and fourth stringers that came in, all of them could, could move the rock. Uh, Dominic yeah. Davis for the Bombers had a gun. Keith Price for Saskatchewan had a gun. Yeah. Uh, and Boone from Montreal can, can really move the ball. They're all elusive, and they can all hammer it. So once you, once you see that, and maybe that's, maybe that's the thing, I mean, it's going to come down to the, the, you know, the, the very first look test. I remember uh, one of the guest coaches. He was a guest coach for the Bombers, and he talked about Tommy Dennison from Queen, who was a two-time Heck Crichton winner. He was in Bomber camp for a bit, and he, mm-hmm. I, was, I was talking to him, and he said, "Oh, the first day we knew he wasn't going to be a CFL. There was no point." And, and he just—you saw the arm strength. Wow. Okay, that was that was good at the CIS level, but it's, there's, you're just you're a dead man in this league. Forget it. Yeah. You you throw to that wide side. That's pick six, and uh, and see you later. So you have to see a certain amount of arm strength, but. There, why? Why even look at a Canadian quarterback? Yeah, that played in the CIS. You can look at Brandon Bridge, and, and Bridge looked terrific in a, in a meaningless game. He but does. why? Why go looking for a Canadian quarterback when you could spend your time scouting a Canadian lineman who's going to play for you for ten years?
0: Yeah,
4: you're going to get an American. You're going to get an American guy. You're going to get Ricky Ray as a free agent. You're going to get somebody else. Why even bother? Until I mean, the whole come on, the whole league would be. Out of a 44 man roster, how many guys would be American if there wasn't the ratio? Like 39.
0: Yeah, yeah you no, know, you're you're absolutely you hit the nail on the head with that one.
4: So let's let's just extend that to quarterbacks because so many good kids, and it's not just the ones that you and I have seen you play. And it's yeah, there's so many. Kyle Quinlan just didn't play football. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that I'm guy in the Vanier cop, I thought this guy's guaranteed to play in the. Oh, yeah. not at all. Ugh. Uh, oh, you oh, showed
0: up to training camp, saw the writing on the wall, and called her quit. The Vanity Cup that uh, Travis and I were, were both at, and again, I've said it on the pod a couple times this year, but uh, I got to thank Travis for uh, making sure we didn't leave. It you halftime. wanted to
2: leave? <laughs> <laughs> oh no.
4: Uh, 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 sticking yeah, with you didn't. Sticking yeah. with
2: Montreal, they finally... It, it's too bad, I think, that it took them to the last game when nothing mattered to put Brandon Bridge in because of all the issues that they've had all season yeah. long. You would have thought he would have gotten a shot. But they've already announced that Jim Pop will stay on as coach next year. Uh, Winnipeg's already announced that O'Shea is going to stick around. And then Good. Saskatchewan kind of... We don't know what's going to happen with Dice and uh, O'Day as general manager. What do you think?
4: I just—I mean—I I know Bobby Dice. Bobby Dice is the only CFL head coach who's ever thrown me a pass in touch football. So I obviously <laughs> have a great love and affection for Bobby Dice. He's—he's uh, yeah. he's such a—he's uh, he, such a good guy, and—and and he's an enigma in that he's gone through coach gets fired, some uh, you know, coaching staff gets cleaned out. Oh, hey, Bob Dice is still with us. Mm-hmm. Like they still, they would keep Bob Dice not that they're seeing it from the inside but me seeing it from the outside oh bob dice kept his job and again yeah. another coach is fired bob dice kept his job and you think he must have some magic there must be something about him as a coach that is just tremendous that every coach who inherits him keeps him there's yeah. got to be something in there and from talking to, i mean from talking to him he's he, i mean he knows his football and he knows how to deal with people i really um, I'm trying to think of things I've wanted for uh, other people more than I want Bob Dice to keep that <laughs> job. But I, I mean, there's that team was that team was was terrible, and there's nothing uh, any coach could have done to really fix it this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I really, for the sake of Bob Dice, for the sake of a former Bison, for the sake of a a Winnipegger, I really want him to keep that job. I have no idea if if I, I'm not able to assess the quality of a coach to say that guy should be a head coach, but I would just On a personal level, I would love to see that.
2: Now, enough with the uh, non-playoff teams. What are we talking about here?
4: (laughs) Coming up this weekend. Come on, the playoffs are preordained. We know how this is going down,
3: don't we? Well, exactly. Toronto (laughs) and
0: Calgary.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, we're going to have one final Braley Bowl. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Jonathan Jennings leads BC to the Cup.
0: (laughs) Hey, I've been... I've been, hating, I've been hating them the whole year on the podcast, and they keep making me look like a fool. So I, I don't know. I want to talk here.
2: <laughs> Argos and Ticats both kind of limping into this uh, semifinal a little bit. And I think Hamilton, uh, do they even know who they're starting at? I think they're going with Jeremiah Mazzoli. But this is going to be an interesting game. I think it's all about the crowd at uh, Tim Hortons Field.
4: Jeff Matthews wasn't just a, a, a take-the-week-off holdout. I, didn't, I hadn't heard any news about Matthews. Well, he he's dealing with
2: the concussion, so I think he's still oh, yeah. uh, questionable for this week. He didn't practice today. We know that.
4: Okay, yeah i I would be in favor of that. Like I would be staunchly in their favor if it's Matthews. If it's Masoli, um, he looked he looked fine. He looked all right in that uh, in that game till the fourth quarter came around, and then, um, yeah that that one to me, I. I don't know that Toronto, there's some disharmony in Toronto. Like you when you start benching top-level receivers on multiple occasions, there's a yeah. lot of problems within that team, aren't? it seems like from the outside.
0: Hmm. Interesting point. I still think that uh, Ricky Ray's going to lead the way, but uh, then again, I very rarely uh, get these uh, things right. How about the (laughs) West semifinal? What are your thoughts on that, Derek? Uh, BC's going to Calgary, going to McMahon Stadium. Probably going to be a cold, prairie day out there. Uh, Myself, I'm taking the stamps, but does BC have a chance of pulling the upset?
4: I think it's clobbering time. I think it's Calgary all the way. Um, Receiving for... (laughs) I mean, they they brought in Jerome Messam because they didn't know what John Cornish's deal was. And I I opined on SportsCenter a week ago. Uh, I, I just looking at this, you wonder if if Cornish's injury, if they don't think it's bad because they mm-hmm. went and got Messam, and you don't need two guys when you run the ball thirty percent of the time, yeah. right? So they if what they know about Cornish's injury, their Messam stud receiving core just just layers upon layers of studs just amazing defense solid bc has been revitalized under jonathan jennings moving the moving the rock but to me it's that one's calgary and that one should be fairly easy
0: that is that is the one to make sure you go out and you you that's when you stock up the fridge with the beer or do any chores you need to do to make sure you stay in the good books so you can watch the division finals the week after
4: yeah oh my god yeah the calgary edmonton in what should be the gray cup game yeah
2: i think BC, I think calgary needs to be careful not to overlook uh b c in this game uh b c lately i think their defense has kinda turned it around they' they what do they have fifteen sacks in the last three games or something like that they are but again calgary does have the good uh offensive line quick note uh where does Lule end up next year did he play his last game in b c
4: i gosh and thank goodness I'm not a uh, I'm not in any way responsible for player personnel because who do you pick in Toronto and who do you pick in yeah. D.C.?
1: Yeah,
4: I did kind of a look at uh, at rookie quarterbacks a couple weeks back, and because we've had so many rookies that have been flash in the pans, and then oh yeah, they're rookies. But Jonathan Jennings to me, with when you down the stretch have to play Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, and Hamilton, and he to put up the numbers he did in those games, Jonathan Jennings to me. I I would bet. My bet would be he is the real deal. So when you want to, there's all sorts of salary concerns that must come into it too. I would probably be willing to let Travis Lule consider some other options.
2: Yeah, and they should have Ooh. beat Edmonton twice too.
4: Yeah, that's the thing. Like he faced some impressive defenses, and Jennings came out above average. Which for a guy who just is not starting a ton and just started this year, like that is. He was, to me, he was incredibly impressive.
0: We've made the picks. Everything else, who do you think is actually, you mentioned it, that that Calgary-Edmonton game should be the Grey Cup contest, Derek. Who actually wins the Grey Cup?
4: Let me tell you a winding story. It doesn't wind too much, but (laughs) Hamilton uh, played Edmonton early on in the first half of the season uh, when Mike Riley was out and Matt Nichols was in, and Hamilton... Just murdered the Eskimos. It was something yep. like 42 to 14. It was, just, it was just, they ran them over with, with a Mack truck. And uh, I, was, I texted, I, I know Eddie Steele a little bit, their defensive lineman, who's a bison. So yep. I texted him after that game because they'd been so impressive till then and then just get handled. And I said, I can't wait to see you guys in the Grey Cup against Hamilton with Mike Riley back. It's going to be a different story. And, yeah. Because Matt Nichols was not very good at football. He-
0: he was Matt Nichols uh, like uh, he had his typical stat line 200 yards two touchdowns two picks but continue my friend
4: yeah so uh, Mike Riley to me is just is just a different breed so when they brought that around Edmonton's defense is just smothering so i thought i went from that point thinking okay this this is Hamilton and Edmonton now it's probably now it's probably Ottawa and Edmonton because of the injury situation but to me it's it's Edmonton all the way their defense is spectacular all those weapons on offense and Darrell Walker, the addition of him seven games into the season. Uh, if, I don't know if Shakir Bell's ever coming back, but they can certainly make the run game work with, with Chad Simpson, who I think is fantastic if underappreciated by everybody. Yeah. Uh, it, to me, it's Edmonton, but you have maybe a 55-58% chance to beat Calgary. So the Grey Cup should be an easier game than the Western Final.
0: Wow. Don't you just love the way that that works out? Uh, one last thought. We've, we've, we've teased it a couple times. Should the CFL ever think of going to one division just so we don't have that de facto Grey Cup in the West? Uh, West End? Because it seems like, I remember, 13 with the Riders, it was like that. This year, it's going to be like that. Is there any entertainment at all to the thought that, hey, let's just go one division, there's only nine teams here?
4: See, I... There's what I think there's what I would like and then there's what fans would probably like. I Mm -hmm. honestly I think that fans probably have a lot of fans in Edmonton and Calgary probably love the fact that yeah, we're gonna beat Edmonton's butt to get to the grey cup. I assume they love the thought of that. I like Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. Saskatchewan would love every chance it can to beat Winnipeg. It well, never happens, obviously. But I mean, it uh, doesn't. Yeah. No, it sure does Anyway, know. what? Um, oh, yeah. so. Thanks for the
0: reminder. <laughs> um,
4: I, so I think I think from a fan perspective, from a general fan perspective, it probably has a lot of value as a as a football fan and not a fan of any one specific team. I, I always want these tournaments, these tournament formats, to be the best two teams in the end. I get I get yep. mad. When the NCAA semifinal is the two best teams I hate yep. it that drives me nuts but I think probably from the fans perspective because regional rivals I mean you guys know very well regional oh, rivals yeah. are a real thing in the yep. CFL
0: oh and they are a lot of they're a lot of fun to be a part of
4: exactly like how much fan, those watermelon heads just love it any chance they they get banjo bull uh labor day they love it toronto hamilton hamilton i was at the labor day game in hamilton they love the fact that they were just murdering the argos (laughs) they had a great time with that so i think from a fan's perspective there's probably a lot of value in keeping east and west because i mean on a one-week thing travel isn't that shouldn't really be a huge consideration but from a from a i want the best football game perspective my personal perspective i would love to get rid of divisions when it comes to the playoffs and just go one, six, you know, five and six, uh, one, sorry, one and two get a bye, and then one plays the lower, two plays the higher seed remaining, and we go from there. And I'd I love it.
2: And I know it's not uh, always right to think this way, but I look at it from my dad's perspective, man. East versus West, you can't change that, you know? So I think yeah, a lot of exa- the old-timers exactly. love that.
4: Regionality, right? Yeah. It's not like... It's not like the insanity of some of the NFL divisions, where you know a team in the south, you know, wow, that team's actually in the west. What do you? Why would you put a team like that geographically? But this, it's a real thing in the CFL, and with a limited number of teams, I think it's probably it's probably worth uh, preserving.
2: Derek Taylor from Sports Center, thank you for coming on the program. I guess we got to ask you, where do we get more of uh, you?
4: Well, you can get more of me on SportsCenter on the weekends with my partner, Kara Wagland, on the, the morning loop on Sundays and then Mondays. Uh, at DT on SC is where I uh, throw out most of my stats. And then check on tsn.ca as well, because as time goes on, as we get more of a feed under ourselves, we're going to have more and more on the CFL and all these numbers that I have that I think are, are interesting. We'll end up with columns and things like that on TSM. Beautiful, as well, beautiful.
2: And we can write you hate mail on Facebook. I saw that that uh, happened last <laughs> week.
4: <laughs> so, uh, just very quickly, this this person uh, Facebooked me because I, I have a fan page on Facebook. Yeah. And he has to be just from things. He has to be 17, and he says, "I hate you. You should quit SportsCenter. You're the worst." Uh, you talk out of your butt. My dad is an official in the CFL, and he thinks you you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you should just quit. It's a very specific last name, so I Googled his dad. And, I, I mean, his dad didn't write me this letter, so I didn't respond to this at all. But his dad was actually fired from the CFL in 2011. Oh, oh no! He made a call to read the story now, and I hadn't heard the story before. But he made a call so egregiously bad and then did not change it, despite all the other officials saying that call, that, that's not what happened. That Tom Higgins, who was the head of the officials at the time, or the head of whatever was in control of the officials at the time, said, that call was so terrible, we can't have that. Uh, you don't work for us anymore. That's incredible. So his dad's been rehired. Uh, thankfully for his dad, he gets back to doing what I assume he loves. <laughs> uh, so the kid, you're, you quit, you're awful. He then wrote me back like five days later. I didn't put that part out there. But he wrote me back and basically said, my dad had no part of this. He didn't know. Uh, please don't destroy his career.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so when do the CFL official rankings come out with the fancy stats next year, Derek? <laughs> oh, my
4: goodness. I, I, How would you even... <laughs> You never know like well okay the guy who called uh who called what Darvin Adams for not being on the line of scrimmage on that critical yep. boss's Oh fight, yeah. That guy that guy needed to be uh talked to sternly uh because that was not that was not a rule. Um well- yeah.
0: Will they always say, you haven't made it until somebody hates you. We get hate mail. <laughs> I get hate mail. Trav gets hate mail. I guess air high five, guys. We've all made Woo-hoo! it as broadcasters. Yeah.
4: Everybody hates everybody. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, and so those ones used to bother me. Like I used to stay up nights sometimes thinking about, well, why don't they now? I now I just think it's super funny because you know what, I nobody nobody's going to be loved by everybody, and if you don't like me, then you're not my target audience. You're you don't think uh, if you don't think I'm funny, I I totally understand that, and I respect your opinion. But you're not the one I'm being funny for. Then I'm I've, I've moved on. You know what,
0: Derek? We like you. We think you're funny. Thanks a lot for coming on, buddy.
3: Much appreciated, guys. Thanks for having me. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at Two and Out CFL.
0: Let's lock them in. Let's uh, make us some picks here. All right. So,
2: East Semi, things get underway. We know who you're going with. Um,
0: maybe tell play us some poor, Play some poor young things. You have to. It's, uh, we still got to keep the music here.
2: Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Can we?
2: Now, tell us why. I know you kind of talked about it a little bit with uh, Derek Taylor.
0: Did he sway you a little bit with his points that he made? He did a little bit, but not enough. I just think when you're looking uh, strictly at quarterback, I think these two teams across the board, they've got playmakers on, on both sides of the ball. But it all comes down to the quarterback. That's what it is in Canada. That's what the Canadian game's all about. And whether it's, uh, no matter who starts for Hamilton, they're not going to be anywhere near as battle tested or frankly as good as. Ricky, Ray, and even if Ray comes out ineffective, Trevor Harris comes off the bench. Uh, I see Toronto pulling an upset. I know the home crowd's going to be fired up in Hamilton, but I think the Argos pull this one off. Why? And why are you going with the Tabbies? I think I mean, you or I could be quarterback there right now. <laughs> uh,
2: defense, uh, the Tim Hortons field factor, and I know it's not as, as pronounced as it was earlier this season, but they should be rocking and rolling uh, for the playoffs. Toronto, to me... You know what? They, they haven't looked overwhelming. and even But they've, since,
0: also, they went, they've played the whole season on the road.
2: And I, and I think since Ray has come back, he hasn't looked like Ricky Ray to me. And I know he's got all the experience. He's got the it factor. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But he hasn't looked quite like Ricky Ray to me. And I think if Hamilton getting in the defense, let's face it, nothing's wrong with the Hamilton defense. If they can get uh, Ray on the move and fluster him, uh, they're going to give them uh, a lot of trouble uh, for this game. So that's where it, I'm going. It should,
0: it should be the closest one of the weekend,
2: though. Oh, <laughs> everybody seems to think that Calgary is going to crush BC, and on paper, maybe they should, but I think that's dangerous for Calgary to go into the game with that mindset. The Western semifinal, uh, Jonathan Jennings getting the start for the Lions. While I do pick Calgary, I think the game's going to be a lot closer than most think.
0: Uh, I would I would agree. Uh, I I think I, this is the only place I would disagree with Derek that I think it's going to be uh, a wash. I think it is going to be a closer football game than we think, but Calgary is just too much. They're going to come out uh, on top in this one. So let's spin some dudes and uh let's uh, let's be done with that one. Saturday Saturday Saturday
3: Saturday night. I dream the Jets would get back their team and look why the got back the team.
2: Yeah, the, <laughs> I agree with you here, but you got to think that Calgary wants one more shot at Edmonton after losing two in a row. Oh, it'll uh, be fun. It'll be great. Oh, yeah, that that one's going to be an all-out war, and let's face it, it's going to be one of those... I don't think it's going to be a shootout if they play again in the West Final. It's going uh, you know, to be a 16-14 to game or something like that. Uh, But they will hurt each other, and that's what football's all about. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Now, uh, before we finally uh, wrap things up, quick note, this is really cool. Uh, Calgary Dinos versus the UBC Thunderbirds uh it's the hardy cup right and uh th- we're on the way to that and we're on the way to the 51st vanier cup that
0: one's going to be on tv uh it's it's going to be on global actually a good friend of mine darren dupont is the sidelines host got to give darren a little bit of credit of course jim Mullins going to be calling the game i've dealt lots with jim throughout the cis on the year uh class act all the way but you know what if you want to watch you know the next generation of cflers just look at this Calgary Dinos roster. They're incredible. There's a receiver, uh, Kirk Simon-Eyes. He's an incredible receiver. Andrew Buckley, we touched on him a little bit. Mercer Timmis could also be a first-round pick this year. Uh, you could have five or six Dinos going in the first round in this upcoming CFL draft. Check it out. It's on Global Dinos and Thunderbirds. Of course, weirdly enough, it's Vancouver and Calgary, just like the, uh, the West semifinal.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's a really cool thing. So uh, let's see what happens in that one, Fraser and Kura, We've only got like three, four more episodes left on the season. It almost makes me sad.
0: But, I've got I've got like two because I know you're gonna do at least one Great Cup with Brazilian tie. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then again, I have I have been kind of flaky this year, so yeah. <laughs> trash talk yourself so the others can't beat you to it, right? That's right. That is right. So nobody else can call me a flake for the time I forgot my anniversary or all those times of you know work.
2: <laughs> Facebook and Twitter, two and out CFL. You can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes as well. Hit us up there. We will talk to you next week.